We will now read the sermon text for this morning, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and 29. These are the words of Christ where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest of your souls. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. If you haven't already, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 11. We'll be looking at verses 28 and 29. Now, as I said, I originally planned to preach a different passage. So if next week's sermon bombs, you know in advance I had two full weeks to prepare. So <laughs> I don't know what that will say about me, but I have, I have been open and upfront about it. Uh, uh, I, I've already had that sermon written and was ready to go, but uh, I do think that next week it will be important for us to carefully consider why we need to be reading the Bible. So we're not just going to say, hey, here's a Bible reading plan, go for it. We're going to be very intentional. We're going to plan to read the Bible as a community throughout the entire year. I'll explain that more next week, how we're going to do that. Um, but more than that, we need to understand why we should be reading the Bible. So we're going to look at that next week. Uh, so there's a sermon change, sermon text change uh, yesterday at about 4 or 5 o'clock. I decided that. And uh, what does uh, your pastor do when he decides he needs to change his text? H how do we decide what to preach next? And so I sat down and for about two hours prayed and searched the scriptures and thought through. So I, honestly, I, you know, the easiest thing would have been for me to just go to a sermon that I preached maybe in 2018, 2017 and recycle it. I would love to tell you that I have a really spiritual reason for not doing that. Like, no, I don't believe that that's really spirit-led. I need to dig into the scriptures and write something fresh so it's fresh on my heart. But I've got to be honest with you, when I look back at those sermons, they were just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> the sermons were just really bad. And I was like, there isn't a single thing I can use here. I, I looked for, I was like, okay, maybe I could just use the, the structure of it and then just rewrite, you know, the, the content. Nope, couldn't do that. So I was like, you know, all right, here we go. We, we're going to have to start over. Um, so this is, this is the fun part. I got to think through, what do I just want to preach? What, just if you know, what do I want to preach? Not necessarily what do I think our church needs in this very moment. I already knew that, okay? Or I already believe I know what that is, and we're going to start that next week. So what can I preach? So I just wanted to take you to my favorite passage of Scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. These are my two favorite verses, and you can add verse 30 in there as well. This is my favorite passage in the Bible. And this is the beauty of God's providence, I genuinely do believe that there is someone here who needs to hear Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. Maybe not necessarily this sermon that was written late, late last night, but I know that someone here does need to hear this because we did not plan for this. I, we did not plan for Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 to be read or to be proclaimed. Uh, you were not supposed to be looking at your Bible in this part of Scripture, and yet here we are in the Lord's providence. And I do genuinely believe... There is no better way to begin a new year, 
A new year that will be full of both joy and sorrow, both wins and losses for each one of us. A year that may be filled with unexpected realities as we've seen the past two years. We cannot predict what a year is going to bring. There is no better place to be than to be focusing on the rest of Jesus and the rest that he invites us in on. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Jesus is meeting us here at the beginning of the year with a gentle yet glorious invitation and promise from Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29 so let's look at these in two parts first an invitation second a promise first there's this invitation in Matthew chapter 11 and the invitation is come to me all who labor and are heavy laden verse 28 come to me all who labor and are heavy laden or come to me all who labor and are burdened and then he gives a promise and I We'll give you rest. Now, here's what I want you to notice about this invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I want you to notice what Jesus says, and I want you to notice who Jesus is talking to. So, um, uh, Jesus is the one that is central to everything that we are. He is the one that we worship. He is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. He is eternal. He is our Savior. It is through his life, his death, his resurrection that we have life and life eternal and life abundant. It is through him. He is the founder of our faith. And Jesus stands before us, and I believe these are some of his most important words. He looks at us and he says, come to me. Now, what Jesus is saying is that he is the ultimate source. Come to me. You're, you're weary, you're, you're searching, you're seeking, you're longing, your hearts are, are unsatisfied, you feel guilty for your sin. He doesn't tell us to do something, he says, come to me. That's someone who has all the resources. You, you, you probably know people like this in your life. You, you may have had, you know, maybe your grandparents. I know I, I, my grandparents were like this for us. Whenever we were in a bind, our family was in a bind, we always knew who we could go to. We could, we could go to granddad. And granddad, he would never say it, um, but he's essentially had this open invitation, come to me. Come to me. I'll take care of it. I think of Erica uh, right now at home with John. John is our youngest, and he's the one who's sick. And boy, he is a pitiful little sick boy. He, he just is the most pitiful. And at, some, at one point, I was like, we need to really make sure he's actually sick because he is loving this. He is just, he's getting held. He's getting carried everywhere, you know. Oh, hold me. Stay close to me. He's loving it. But one thing I, that I have picked up on just from Erica, she's so much better at this than, than I am, she almost has this kind of gentle care and, and inviting warmth with our children. What, what she's been doing the last few days with John is essentially saying to him over and over again, come to me. I mean, sometimes he would just wake up in the middle of the night, he's just groaning. You know, he doesn't feel good. He's, he's, he's weak, he's sick, he, he, you know, he, he has a fever, and, uh, and Erica just, just says, come to me. Come to me. I, I'll take care of you. You'll be okay. Just come to me. This is what Jesus says to you and to me. This is what he says to sinners. He doesn't, he doesn't say, clean yourself up. Fix your life. You know, you work on this, then we'll talk. He just looks at you and he says, come to me. I'll take care of it all. I've got it. 
We've been looking for peace as, as humans. We've been looking for peace, and we've been looking for rest, and we've been looking for fulfillment and happiness and meaning. So we've been looking for it in all the wrong places. We, we've been under the illusion that money and jobs and health, personal control of our lives, some, some, some idealized vision of, of what our lives should be like, some dream that we have, we believe that if all of that is fulfilled, that we will find true contentment, lasting satisfaction for our souls. But none of that can provide it. But here's Jesus. And even though we have been looking for happiness in everything but him, and even though we have set up countless idols in our lives, and even though we continue to fail to live up to the standard that is set by him in his word, here is Jesus, and he stands before us, and he doesn't look at us and wag his finger and tell us to just get it all together. He's, you know, it'd be like Erica last night when John woke up and he's crying. He's like, kid, I don't know what to tell you. I'm tired. Go to bed. Go figure it out. Go sleep. You got to rest. Go sleep. She gets up. Come to me. Jesus stands before you in all of your failure in all of your sin and he looks at you and he says come to me come right here where I am Jesus is everything everything our hearts are most deeply longing for so this year you may have tons of goals this year tons of plans um, uh, tons of ambition this year for, for yourself for your family for your children never lose sight of this it's only Jesus who can actually and truly stand before you and say, come to me and I will provide what your heart is looking for and then actually provide it. And, and everything else that you'll do this year, it can't provide what your soul needs most. And we have to be careful because if our worth and our value are found in, in what we can provide, in, in how well we can perform, or in how much we have, then who we are as people will forever change. And, and we may be shaken to our core if we realize these things can't satisfy, or even worse, if they're taken away. If your soul can only rest through the works of your hands, your soul will never be at rest. How can you be at rest when the future is so often uncertain? How can you be at rest when your life feels so chaotic? You have to have a source of contentment that remains when all else is swept away. And that's why we have to come to Jesus. But, but notice also who he's talking to here. So Jesus extends an invitation, come to me. But notice who he has in mind. Who is he inviting to come to him? Look what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor and are burdened. Has life or work or family or some unmet desire or, or some unmet lofty expectation that you have placed on yourself, has it beaten you down? Do you feel helpless and weak and anxious? Are you overwhelmed with guilt? Do you feel inadequate? 
Do you feel a need to prove yourself to others? These burdensome lives that we live. You see, people like us, people who don't have it all together, we are the very ones that Jesus wants. We are the ones that Jesus wants. He comes to us and he bids us to come to him. Jesus wants you. He wants you. To those of us who have tried to find security and contentment in all these lesser sources and have finally reached a point of spiritual exhaustion, Jesus stands before you and he doesn't condemn. He invites. He, he says, welcome, come, join me in my rest and in my peace. Now, now you may be tempted as, as I can be tempted to be an anxious Christian. Now, an anxious Christian is someone who believes in Jesus and genuinely follows him, but constantly feels like they never measure up. And you just can't be happy. You, you can't be happy in Jesus because you constantly feel like you're messing things up and you worry. You're really anxious. You worry. You're afraid that you might lose your salvation or, or you, you know, you worry that maybe I was never truly a believer to begin with. You know, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't have said that. If I, if I was really in Jesus, if I was really a believer, I, would, I just, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. You know, sometimes, for those of us who, who feel that way, we try to appear stronger and wiser and more faithful than we really are. We want others to see a really mature, a really wise, a really strong Christian, even if it's not true. And then, maybe you can't relate to that, but then there's the guilt-ridden Christian. Now, this is a person who is a Christian, who believes in Jesus, who genuinely follows him, but is so hesitant to get too close to Jesus or his church. You, you, you don't want to get too close. Because if you get too close, then maybe they'll see that I am not perfect. And they feel too guilty over their sin. Or maybe they feel like their past lifestyle keeps them from truly belonging. Listen, if you're ever tempted to think, I'm just not cut out for this. I keep doing the church thing. I keep doing the Jesus thing just because I don't know what else to do right now. But I don't really feel like I'm cut out for this. I don't qualify. I'm not good enough. I'm not faithful enough. You really have to hear who Jesus is inviting to himself. Jesus did not come for those who are naturally good at Christianity. He, di he didn't come for those who are self-righteous. He didn't come for those who have no need. Jesus came for the weak and he came for the weary. He came for the helpless. He came for those who have come to the end of themselves and have nowhere left to turn. Jesus came for those of us who have really made a mess of our lives. And he came for those of us who are afraid and anxious. He came for those of us who have built our lives on hills of sand only to have the waves of life destroy all we have built. Jesus says to us, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, all who are burdened, all who have hit rock bottom. Don't ever think that you don't qualify for Jesus. If you are a sinner with deep insecurities 
and fears about life, then you are a prime candidate for the life that Jesus calls us to because Jesus calls us to come to him. Okay, so there's this invitation, come to me. Then there's a promise. And this is why the invitation is awesome. The promise is why the invitation is awesome. The promise is, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we who are weary from our labor and burdened by our attempts to matter in this world and are worried about what the future may hold for us as we start a new year, Jesus, in his gentleness and humility, says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. Um, And this is why it's really important. Just because Jesus invites us to himself doesn't mean we're going to receive good news when we get there. You know, because while when the kids are sick and and Erica in, in her, you know, maternal care says, come to me, come to me, little one, let me take care of you. There are other times we speak to our children when they are doing maybe some things they shouldn't be doing. And this is usually when dad steps in and dad looks over and says, hey, get over here get over here you know that's that's a little different than come to me yeah same same principle i want you to come to me but it's gonna be a little different outcome here um jesus is the righteous and and sovereign lord and judge of heaven and earth when he says come to me it's not automatic that it's it's you know good news or that it's going to be joyful when you get there because we're sinners and we've sinned against him and he could say come to me and we receive righteous judgment from him but he gives us his promise. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Something else Jesus could do, and this is, this is what happens in almost all of the other religions that are in the world, almost all of them. The leader says, come to me, now here's a list of things to do. Come to me, come to me now go and do. And Jesus could say that. And there are tons of instructions and teachings and commands in the Bible that we're expected to follow. And Jesus could say, come to me now go and do. And he does, eventually. But not at first. What, what, what's first? Rest. Rest. Before you obey Jesus, you have to rest in Jesus. You cannot glorify Jesus through your life if you are not resting in Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll go and do. He says, come to me and I will give. And what does he give? He doesn't give a list of rules He says, I will give you rest now that you've come. Rest. This is grace unimaginable. Come to me. Rest in me. These are essentially the first two words of the gospel. The rest that Jesus offers is so much deeper, though, than physical sleep. We're not going to spend all our time this morning talking about what what rest is. This is, this is is not physical rest, though. This is spiritual rest. This is the kind of rest that's modeled after God's rest in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and he did it in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And he didn't do that because he was tired or his energy had been drained. He's he's God. That's not how he's infinite. He's he's eternal in power. He he rested because he was satisfied. It's it's almost as if there's there's, um, uh, royal connotations to it. He sits on his throne over his creation and he reigns as king he's resting and he invites us to join him in that rest this satisfaction 
And so often when we work, it's kind of difficult to find a good illustration from our lives because so much of our work is often imperfect, incomplete. How often do you finish something and say, yes, perfect. That's amazing. It hardly ever happens, you know? Um, And God is saying to us, you can actually join me in that kind of rest. I can give your soul that kind of rest. But it's so much deeper than physical sleep. And Jesus is saying here, there is a kind of work, there is a kind of labor, a kind of weariness of the heart from which you cannot rest on your own. There is a kind of rest only I can give. And the rest that Jesus offers is ultimately this soul contentment, salvation. And what he's doing is he's speaking to that deep hum of the soul. I love how Tim Keller talks about this. He calls it the deep hum of the soul, the inner yearning and longing for something more, for a level of contentment and peace that you just can't seem to find in other sources. Keller, he goes on to call the rest that Jesus gives the REM sleep of the soul. Um, You know, scientists say, I'm not the best sleeper, by the way. Um, I I stay up late. Uh, You know, I I sleep when I can. Uh, when I sleep, I feel like I sleep pretty deeply, but I'm not the best person to talk, talk about sleep uh, from a scientific perspective. But scientists do say that no matter how many hours of sleep you get, if you don't get at least a couple hours of REM or rapid eye movement sleep, you're going to wake up and feel exhausted. So you could, you could sleep for eight hours, but if you have no REM sleep, you're still going to feel tired. I had a friend, my roommate in college, this is, this is the type of guy that I hung out with all the time. He actually thought that he knew exactly when he would come out of an REM cycle. He thought he could, like, time it out. And so he would sleep, and he would set his alarm to the time that he believed he was coming out of an REM cycle so that he would feel fully rested and fully awake. And I am not kidding you. There was one morning, it only happened once, but one morning I was up, his alarm hit, the dude just springs out of bed, and he's like, all right, let's go. And he's just like, he's completely awake. I was like, did it work? He's like, it worked. Never worked again. Uh, He got lucky. Um, But REM sleep is really important. Apart from deep sleep, you really can't rest. Jesus offers us this kind of deep sleep for our souls, where we are able to let go of our own efforts to try to earn significance and earn importance and earn love and earn belonging and earn contentment. And how is Jesus able to offer this kind of rest? Because of the work he accomplished in our place. Jesus lived a sinless life. The sin that burdens us down, the life that we try to live, that we continue to fail to live, that burdens us, Jesus lived that. He fulfilled it perfectly. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death. He died in our place, bearing all of our sin. And then he was raised from the dead. You see, we find rest through Jesus' work on our behalf. And now as we strive to grow in faithfulness as a church this year, we have to begin from a place of rest. We, we have a lot planned this year. We have a lot that we're getting back to that the last two years had interrupted. I want us to work really hard this year. I want us to serve like we have never served before. I want us to go on mission trips this year. We've got, we've got at least one in the works. I want to see leaders raised up. I want to see life groups thriving. I want to see us 
grow in our knowledge of the Lord and his word through equipping classes in this Bible reading plan that we're going to share next week. I want us to share the gospel with others like we never have before. And I want us to give even more sacrificially for the sake of the advancement of the gospel in and through our church. But if we do all of that in order to earn favor or justify our existence as a church or prove something to someone, we will do nothing but build burdens that we cannot bear. I want us to work hard this year because we are already at rest. By resting in the sovereign will and work of Jesus, our work and life together as a church will be full of joy. Okay, so there's this invitation, come to me, this promise. You come to me, I will give you rest. So where do we go from here? There's a path forward here, actually, in verse 29. Have you ever noticed... um, how similar verse 28 is with verse 29. I, I read this passage all the time. Like I said, it's my favorite passage. And it, and it always strikes me because verse 28 is so beautiful. I mean, it, it, very few things can actually bring me to tears. This verse is one of the only verses that actually does that to me. There's an emotional response. In verse 29, it always startles me at first. It always does. So verse 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to cut out the middle part there and look at the first part of verse 29 and the last part and notice how similar it is to verse 28. Notice what he's saying here. He says, take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. So let's compare verse 28 to verse 29. Jesus says in verse 28, if you want rest, come to me. And we say, oh boy, oh yes, that's awesome. You're going to provide, you're going to do it. I can't, and you are, what amazing grace. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, if you want rest, just like he did in verse 28, take my yoke upon you. So finding rest for our weary souls means coming to Jesus, and coming to Jesus means yoking yourself to Jesus. Now, I'm not a farmer, okay? So um, I'm, I'm not too familiar. But a yoke, if you're like me, not familiar, was something that you would put on a mule or ox, you know, and they, they, they would carry these plows. Um, the analogy here is actually really startling. Jesus is saying that in order to find true and deep rest for your soul, you must take Jesus' yoke the way that a mule or an ox would take the yoke upon the shoulders of their backs. That, does, that sounds backwards. If you want rest, put, put on something that, that, is bur- that, that is burdensome or, feel, or f- maybe burdensome or feels burdensome. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound good. What Jesus is really saying here is Allow me to control and rule and dominate your life. That, that sounds different from come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. How on earth could submission to such authority give us rest? Because taking on a yoke means burdensome work. In most cases. Now it all has to do with the nature of the one that you're yoked to, though. 
See, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn my ways, but you don't have to worry because taking my yoke will lead to rest for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You see, the great lie of life is that anything within it can provide the contentment, security, and fulfillment we crave. And whatever you are living for, you need to, you need to know this, and you probably need to do a little reflection this week. Whatever you're living for, you are yoked to. You're yoked to it. Its yoke is upon you. It controls you. It dominates you. It leads you along. And we have been yoked to some burdensome, overwhelming, draining sources. And they've never been able to provide what they promise, and they will always let us down in the end. But here's Jesus standing before us at the beginning of this year, and he says, whatever you're living for, forsake it. Forsake it. Leave it behind. Take that yoke off. Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and allow me to rule. Allow me to control. Allow me to dominate. For I am gentle and I am lowly. And I will lead you in the path of life. He says, take my yoke. Being yoked to Jesus is the path to rest, not weariness. Because Jesus is not weary. And he is not burdensome. And he is not overwhelming and he is not draining. His yoke is easy. His burden is light, and he provides rest for our souls. No matter what this year brings, and I say this with more trepidation this year than I ever have before because of what's happened the last two years. That's usually just kind of something that it, it's always true. You say at the beginning of the year, you know, oh, you never know what's going to happen this year, but you fully expect everything to stay exactly as they are. Well, I mean, the last couple of years, even this week was a lesson in that. I just laughed. I laughed just at, at how this went. I'm like, I would have never expected, never expected so many people to be out with sickness this week and having to make all the changes that we made. But it, and it was just a fresh reminder to me. So maybe I'm the one that needed to hear this passage this week. Maybe I was the one. You are the man. Um, no matter what this year brings, whether stormy seas or, or smooth sailing, Jesus meets us right here, right where we are, deep in our hearts. And he says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to encourage you this year to, to yoke yourself to Jesus, to follow him, I want to encourage you this year to serve like you've never served before, to love like you've never loved before, to finally get over your excuses that you've always had for not sharing the gospel with people in your life who don't know Jesus. Let's do it this year. Let's, let's go on mission this year. Let's serve our community. Let's equip one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's serve one another. But may we do none of that apart from first resting in Jesus. If you answer his invitation and embrace his promise, you can face anything. You can fear nothing. You can accomplish much for his glory.